tired of being in the dark about cryptocurrency? Learn how to grow your money, navigate and stay ahead in this crazy new economy through easy to understand conversations with experts as we simplify the ins and outs of digital money and blockchain and how it will continue to affect our lifestyle. Pick up something new every two weeks with our crypto journalist, host Barbara Donato. Hello, everyone. My name is Barbara Donato, and welcome to Crypto Chronicles, where we delve into the world of all things cryptocurrency. Looking towards the future of money, I'm realizing more and more that as cryptocurrency becomes increasingly prevalent in our everyday life, there's so much knowledge out there that we can attain. So please learn alongside me as I talk to the experts and those in the know about the ins and outs of digital money. My first guest, has a growing YouTube channel that has helped educate many subscribers about the vast opportunities with cryptocurrency. He also authored a short book called Becoming Bitcoin Savvy to help encourage others to start their own journey with Bitcoin, and it's set to be released in December. Hello, Dwan Hart. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Barbara? Thank you for having me on, and uh, thank you to the Rain Creative also for hosting me. You're welcome. So, let's start. What exactly is cryptocurrency? Yes, cryptocurrency in its most simplest form is just virtual currency. So um, you can call it virtual or digital currency. Either way, just understand it's electronic cashless money. So it's a medium of exchange where you can exchange value. And they try to simulate it or to replicate it to be like someone actually exchanging physical cash or a dollar with a person face to face. So maybe like you and I will actually, uh, you'll, you'll give me a lollipop. I mean, I don't really eat candy, but I'll just use it for this example. And I'll give you a dollar. But they're trying to replicate it, or they have successfully replicated it in a virtual currency. It is peer to peer essentially. So direct, no third party intervention. So that's what really makes it um, cryptocurrency. About cryptocurrency, how was it created? Like, why? Who originated the idea to start digital money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So the idea of cryptocurrency, now I have my theories about exactly why it was created, but nobody really knows for sure. Only the people who actually made it. And so based on what's been documented, for example, with the Bitcoin white paper, and I do recommend everyone out there listening to check out the Bitcoin white paper so they can get an idea of the mission behind it, since it was or it is the first cryptocurrency created. The anonymous creator of it could be a man, woman, or group. Nobody knows. But they do mention that there was a double spending issue that they had to fix. Now, for instance, right, if you were to go to your bank and you were to check your transaction history and you were able to see that, hey, there was a charge on your account that was identical to the original charge. So, you know, double charge. That becomes an issue, right? Because that is essentially a form of counterfeiting, right? That's money that's not that's not real. And in a lot of cases, that's not even available in the person's account sometimes. And um, it causes confusion. It causes a slowdown in the process because the bank has to try to mitigate that situation. And, and maybe that merchant has, you have to wait for that merchant to give you your money back. So it goes against being peer-to-peer. It goes against... Um, replicating that experience of you giving me that lollipop for a dollar. And so 
they wanted to get that solved so that on a commerce level, when people go online to make purchases, since commerce is a huge growing industry, I mean, this is the way we transact now. We transact on Amazon, PayPal, but we use bank accounts. There's hiccups as far as even using those services because they're like money services themselves. I can transact with anyone in the world and they can send me, ship me, or give me access to their digital product peer to peer. And so that is kind of, I believe, why cryptocurrency was created to actually make that easier. Now, on another note, there was a financial crisis in 2008. And some of us are too young to really experience it. Some are old enough to remember it and have bad memories of it. But there was a manipulation in money supply. They had to increase money supply in our system in order to keep things from totally collapsing. And we're kind of seeing that right now, where we are seeing that right now in 2020 with this crisis. And so they are increasing the money supply. And it has some pretty bad or catastrophic effects economically when that's done. In some cases in history, it's been known to cause like hyperinflation, you know, a rising cost of goods. And, and of course, you already know wages aren't really going up that much anyway, and a whole bunch of other things. Really? So Bitcoin was actually released to the public in 2009 after the crisis, after the response, this big stimulus response from the 2008 crisis. So, you know, a lot of people like to speculate like, hey, you know, this is some revolutionary stuff to kind of go against government controlled money. So funny story. When I first heard of cryptocurrency, it was a gamer um, that brought it to my attention. And I honestly thought that cryptocurrency was like gaming tokens that you can uh, mine in Minecraft. And then you can use those very those same tokens to buy skins on Terraria or League of Legends. It wasn't until later that I was like, okay, this is real money. You could buy real things with it. But it begs the question, who were the original users of cryptocurrency and why did it get so popular? Right. So that's a great example, by the way, Barbara, that you used as far as that, that Minecraft gaming. Thank you. Cryptocurrency, in particular Bitcoin, one of the things or the thing that really powers it to be secure and reliable money is the fact that it has gamers out there, what they call miners. And these miners, they essentially contribute a lot of computer power, which consumes a ton of electricity that could power small countries, right? Small third world countries. And uh, this mining power validates all network transactions or all Bitcoin transactions that are done. And that is the secure, the essence of the security of Bitcoin, right? So these miners are like gamers, essentially, except that Bitcoin is the token of the world. It's the token that everyone can use, not just people who in a small gaming niche. So anyone can jump in, grab some Bitcoin or, or you know, and use that to transact with and adopt that. Now, going back to your question, the first people to use Bitcoin um, in my research, I saw were more people who were closer to the tech side and a small niche of libertarians, right? They were like people who were really into self-determination, into liberty, freedom. Some would say- anarchy. Less government control. Absolutely. Absolutely. Less government control. And just more people who just, who don't, right. They just don't want to be controlled by a government. I mean, uh, the more, and this is what kind of led me, Bitcoin in particular, and I mentioned this in my book, 
it didn't just teach me about cryptocurrency. It's kind of bigger than that. It taught me about why, right? The why. And I had to learn history. I ended up learning history. (laughs) I learned about the United States in the beginning, right? You know, with the founding fathers of the United States, with the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and things like that. And it did mention even then central banks, they were against the issuance of money, the coining of money. They understood that if it could be controlled, then it's just not really as good as having something that people can use as trusted that has a limited supply, such as Bitcoin does, only 21 million. But um, they understood small government, very small government, and the government should serve the people. So I think these libertarians kind of connect with that as well. So those are the early people. I think later on, probably, or you know, within these most recent few years, is when the big financial guys or the financial institutions started jumping in the game. And we can see that now you know we see that with most recent news with paypal now getting ready to offer cryptocurrency to its i don't even know how many millions and millions and millions probably billion users and you you know you start to see robin hood's ceo the the stock app he's back bitcoin even more he's doubled back on it we see twitter ceo putting his investment stake in it we just see so much adoption with it that just lets me know that The financial institution is involved, but in the beginning, you had the people who wanted to use it for its decentralized features, a money that can't be manipulated or controlled. And right now, the government, like the U.S. government, doesn't have any regulations on it at the moment, right? Or is that going to change? Or So the only thing the government can regulate is our exchanges. Okay. So this is what people... uh, kind of get confused about with uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin in particular, it being decentralized, Bitcoin is its own money system. So you can have a wallet, a Bitcoin wallet. You can carry it on a hard drive, like a, essentially like a hard drive. They call it a hard wallet. And all you need is to um, someone provide you their address, then you can send them the Bitcoin. Now, exchanges are ways that people can onboard and purchase cryptocurrency. So since exchanges are essentially money services, then as a money service, it can be regulated, right? They'll just go about saying, hey, you know what? We need to gather people's, you need to gather people's information. We didn't know who they are. You know, the anti-money laundering laws, the KYC, you know, the stuff that you go through when you open a bank account anyway, it's the same difference at those exchanges. But as far as when you actually enter the market and you actually acquire a crypto or a, such as a Bitcoin, right there, you are divorced from the traditional financial system. You can take that Bitcoin and you you could put it in your own custody, custody Bitcoin wallet. And from there, you don't have to look back. I mean, as long as there's people in the network that are willing to transact with Bitcoin, you have a legit money system. So can it be regulated in a sense where hard regulation Unless you cut off the internet, it, you really can't cut off Bitcoin. I mean, the most they can do is regulate exchanges that allow people to sign up to try to uh, purchase it with their dollars. But again, you know, you have these other exchanges out there that are decentralized exchanges, such as maybe like local Bitcoins. You know, you hear about this being used in third world countries where you can meet up with people who have Bitcoin. And, you know, if they're looking for dollars or they're looking for paper currency or whatever, 
then you can exchange your deal right there. They can uh, you can meet up with them or or over the internet as long as you provide them your wallet address. It's like a custody service too, but transactions can happen without underneath regulation of uh, certain exchanges as well, like hard regulations from the U.S. But for the most, it's peer to peer, so it really doesn't matter that much if they regulate exchanges. Okay, well. So then for someone like me who wants to get into cryptocurrency, can I create my own? Like, how do I get into it? Can I mine it myself? Or like, what's the easiest way for me to get into cryptocurrency? Should I purchase it or or do I just create my own coins? Yeah, great question. Like, for instance, with me, the easiest way that I learned was to actually just purchase it, purchase cryptocurrency. And if that causes that would um, cause for a person to sign up for an exchange and they select their payment method. They'll hook up their bank account to the exchange. And then from there, they can easily enter the crypto market and purchase cryptocurrency. To mine it, anyone can mine. The thing is, is that mining is so energy costly right now that uh, it would be insufficient, right? You literally would have to give up so much electrical energy, your light bill, energy bill would be, I don't know, just be astronomical compared to the Bitcoin that you would probably get if you were to mine Bitcoin, for example. Usually the best way for the everyday person to enter the market, I believe, is to um, sign up with an exchange. I mean, they have like they have a Coinbase, they have Gemini, they have uh, different ones out there that um, allow you to uh, purchase with your currency, your country's currency. And would they tell me like, hey, this is because I noticed there is a lot of coins out there. Would these exchanges recommend which coin to use or like should is there like a a place where I can research it? Like because so the next question would be for me, like what what's the top three coins, um, most popular coins? And like, where would I go to find these things out? Right, right. Some of these exchanges are very helpful to their clients or their customers, right? Like for instance, Coinbase is pretty helpful. They even encourage people to, you know, they're trying to educate their customers. There's ways they're they're trying to give out free crypto by simply learning about these new coins or new projects that they are, that they have listed. I do personally use a couple of cryptocurrency indexes. I just reference them to pretty much keep up with the price of cryptocurrencies and uh, to find other ones because it has a vast list of cryptocurrency on some of these indexes. For instance, I'll go to coinmarketcap.com or I'll go to coinpaprika.com, just to name a couple. And from there, it gives a long list of different cryptocurrencies out there. Now, as a caveat, I wouldn't recommend seriously considering all of them, right? There's people can start a cryptocurrency. It'd be here today. You don't hear about it so much tomorrow or people just kind of move away from that and use something else. And it doesn't really pan out to be anything. So what I do is I look at the top ones on those indexes based on their market value. I look at the ones that's been around the longest. And I really recommend people to just continue to invest in themselves. It's very important. I mean, crypto is not about picking the right coin. It is about investing in yourself, period. When you invest in yourself, that's how you invest in crypto. And that's based on just kind of doing some research, right? And I, and again, right. so I, I use the indexes to reference coins because I can select any of those coins on the index. And then um, it'll just kind of give me a brief bio about the coin, its official website, how long it's been around, you know, the basic info. And then from there, I kind of just, 
I try to talk to other individuals and, and get into groups where people have more of an insight about things. So that's my advice about going to pick out the best coins. But in my opinion, right, since we're doing opinion, I'm going to use this opinion piece. Top three coins for me, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero. Bitcoin's the first one, the first mover and shaker is the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, that's the first one I heard of. Yep. Yep. Only 21 million. I like Ethereum. Ethereum was the first cryptocurrency I heard of to use smart contracts. And, you know, that means developers can go on there and create apps. They can create other tokens and those tokens can be used to, they can, you can earn them on those apps, all types of things. And I really think that's how people going forward, when crypto really goes to the next level, how they will be interacting with uh, businesses and other things is through apps. Okay. And then I like Monero because it's a privacy coin. It's very, it's so private. Like you, you won't even be able to tell who sent Monero to who. And I think that's going to have a use case in its own. Not very popular with governments and regulators, of course, but uh, I think that's why it would probably have <laughs> just because of that. So I like those three. They've been around for some time. I even remember when Ethereum was actually Bitcoin and Ethereum were the only two cryptocurrencies available on Coinbase.com. Now there's so many. Right now you got like a list of them. So uh, it just shows you how the adoption has grown. But I like I like those three. So. What would I use cryptocurrency for? Like, I, can I buy a house? Can I uh, purchase a car? Are there coins out there that I can use for like one thing? Or can I use all different coins for just about to purchase anything? Or are they specific to certain items? Right. So this is the thing about crypto. So all coins can be used to buy something depending on if the person who's selling wants that coin. Now, it's, I believe that it's been a general consensus and it's a growing one, rapidly growing, that Bitcoin is probably the one that's universally chosen for a medium ex of exchange. But it's not unheard of to hear about wealthy people wanting to sell their condos in Miami or wherever else for Bitcoin or, you know, a crypto of their choice. But I've heard about Bitcoin um, cars. I've known people to have purchased cars with cryptocurrency. Nice cars, by the way. Nice. Yeah. I've watched a show. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Island Hunters. It was on TV. I like watching stuff like that, like House Hunters. You know, they have yes, that with yes, people. Yes. But they have one, Island Hunters. This is next level stuff. This is like wealthy people and they're buying small islands. And they, what they do is they, uh, they build their resort on there. That's their thing. That's crazy. Buying an island? One, I would love that. I would love to have my own island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. And the guy, I mean, the island, I guess, in Brazilianaire terms, it wasn't that expensive, right? It was like, well. Yeah, it's in Brazilianaire terms. <laughs> yeah. And the guy, he asked the real estate guy or the, the island state guy, he said, hey, um, do you accept Bitcoin? And I had, I literally recorded that part of the show. I was blown away. Wow. What did he say? Yeah, yeah, seriously. So there's, it is, crypto can be used to buy things. Can I say all cryptos are treated or embraced equally as far as a form or medium of exchange? Uh, definitely not. But there's some communities out there that may accept a smaller cryptocurrency, you know. So what excites you the most about cryptocurrency? Like where, where do you see it headed? 
Well, I'm very excited about it because I see that it's going to create a shift in the way people view money. Now, the thing is, it's going to be an outlet. It's going to be an option, an alternative for people out who wants to get outside of the system, the traditional money system. And that's a money system that hasn't been very kind to people, whether people believe it or not. People sometimes wonder why we have situations like we have now. You have a country in massive debt because the money can be created endlessly in perpetuity. You have uh, rising costs of things. And these economic distortions are rooted from a money creation. So I think if and when, if money becomes phased out, this is a viable option that the world has chosen. Bitcoin is there. We can't make it do anything, or cryptocurrency rather, it, it is there. You know, we can't make it do anything. And I heard a guy say this, a Bitcoin expert. He says, for instance, Bitcoin watches us. So it's like uh, we're shifting, we're scrambling. We're using a system that may be on its way out or failing. And it's just there. It's constant at this point. You know what I mean? It is what it is. It's, it's no way around it. And it is the order. It is the order of things which should be because, again, you have something that can be reliable. It can be trustworthy and transparent. Every single transaction is recorded and it is immutable, meaning it can't be changed. That type of honesty is needed, right? That type of honesty, right. not having the ability to double spend, right? Not being able to counterfeit it and it being hard money is what's going to keep. I think society in order or more, um, how you would say harmonious. That's what I believe. So I think that with crypto, I'm looking forward to, to a more harmonious way of using money. I'm just looking forward to see how this story ends up. Do you think that governments will start using it as well, you know, for import export goods and in just different types of money exchanges? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, what's interesting, if you think about it, right, like most of the transactions out there or most of the money supply is not even physical. All right. Most money supply, I'm talking about probably like 70 percent. I'm just throwing a number out there, but it's definitely more than half is digital. It's literally just let me just transfer this out my account or let me just send this wire. Let me do this. It's not physical. So I would say that that is the most efficient means of transacting and to make things faster, to make things more liquid in a system that is constantly transacting. This money leaves this account, but money has a hurry up and come in and replace it type of thing that's going on. That just in time economy that we have right now, I think that cryptocurrency is the most viable option going forward for governments and for financial institutions. And that's why you hear about central banks ready to unload their their digital currencies. They're working on it and they've been working on it for some time. So it's going to be interesting. It definitely is going to be interesting. So here in the States, I've read about Eastern Europe and Africa um, having a strong foothold in cryptocurrency. Do you think that that will happen here in the States in the future? It will happen by no choice at some point. I think... Uh, we're in the information age. There's lockdowns going on, right? I wouldn't say lockdowns, but uh, you know, more people are spending time at home, right? Life has slowed down for many. That's a positive thing because now you're seeing that people are 
kind of rediscovering crypto again. But some people just are not going to adopt something unless they have to, unless they're forced. True that. I think that at this rate, from what I'm just checking the temperature going around, I have a few friends that call me up and say, hey, man, you know what? Tell me about this Bitcoin, man. You've been talking about this or tell me about mm-hmm. crypto, man. You've been, you've been talking about this for some time, but not enough. You know, disturbingly, not enough people. Yeah, because do you think like I could go to like um, to Whole Foods and use my Coinbase wallet to buy groceries? Like, do you think it'll get to that point? I think so. Now, the infrastructure around crypto to make it more user friendly is constantly being worked on. Constantly being worked on. And that's the beautiful thing about it. The industry, the money around it to make this a viable thing in the future is there. You have different companies that have already created ways for merchants to use a technology, a um, like a payment processing technology where people can go and scan their their cryptocurrency wallets to pay for products, right? It just hasn't been massively accepted yet. But I mean, you, you can already see you got Bitcoin ATMs, you got uh different signs where some merchants say they accept a cryptocurrency, particularly a Bitcoin. I think that the infrastructure will continue to grow. I think it's going to grow rapidly. And and that's a good point you make is that once the user experience with more investment, more attention and energy goes into creating a user experience for people to use these cryptos, that's when you know that we're at a point where we're not going back. That is awesome. So we are nearing the end of our episode. So do you have any last words for our audience, uh, something that they could take with them as they step into the world of cryptocurrency. Yeah, I just want to go back to the fact that first is just keep an open mind. We're in a time where learning and paying attention is huge. I mean, it can literally shape the rest of your life. And we're in the information age. Uh, People should be constantly trying to figure out ways to improve whatever they can improve. And I think the best start is learning about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is without a doubt, probably the most innovative thing out there and the most viable thing. The way I see it, it is there to help you if you let it. (laughs) You know, I know that sounds crazy, but it's there to help you if you let it. Seriously, the best means of storing value in some cases and the best means of exchanging value. That is very important because, and during these times we're in now, saving money in cash dollars becomes harder with interest rates being held held low, money supply increasing, which causes inflation and, and you'll be buying less and less things. Having something that can hold its value, hold its, uh, its supply, right? Supply can't be changed or anything like that. Could be the make or break point for people when it comes to whatever change going forward. So, I mean, it's just the way of the future. And the best way to invest in it, if people want to see it as an investment, is to invest in yourself and continue just being curious. And that's pretty much it. Mm, well, thank you so much, Dewan, for sharing your knowledge with our listeners. And everyone, be sure to purchase his book, Becoming Bitcoin Savvy This December. Have a wonderful day and see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Barbara. You're welcome.